0: Well, hello, this is actually my first time back in the studio in, uh, well, this year, so happy 2023, even though I have recorded other podcasts since. Very nice to be back. Uh, The Maldives feels like a distant dream, and even though I set out this year to take things a little bit slower, especially because I am now, I want to say, 33 weeks pregnant give or take if it had been my first pregnancy I could have told you to the day Um, but it does feel very, very hectic so I'm very happy to have be locked inside a studio with a brilliant guest for today Oh, one thing I actually do want to say to you by the way is that Al slept the other day on Saturday night from 7.30 until 7am which I think is an absolute record so given that lots of Uh, my podcast at the end of last year was dominated by sleep deprivation I have a newfound hope and that was because we took him to the soft play literally at 6 p.m or 5 p.m it closed at 6 and so now Tommy has said that every single night he's going to take him to soft play for an hour in the hope that this may continue but anyway I I digress so this week I'm joined by someone who there's so many amazing topics that I want to discuss that I know you're going to love so she is a mum of two to a four-year-old daughter and an almost two-year-old son. So it'll be a similar age gap from uh, Alf and my daughter-to-be. She is an award-winning British designer of luxurious lifestyle brand Sarah Miller London. It's Sarah Miller.
1: Hi, Ashley. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so
0: much for coming on. One thing I'm really excited to get straight into talking to you about is the fact that you say your life really began at 30, which is something really refreshing to hear because I feel like lots of us, especially as women, feel that we should have everything all figured out by 30. So could you talk about that to begin with? Sure. So I... um. I was
1: 29 years old and um, sort of had been going out with my, my boyfriend and then husband um, for about 10 years. We'd, we'd been married for a few years. I was sort of faced with the reality that our marriage was failing and I was absolutely devastated. I didn't know what to do with myself. I went off to India, this is in the December of 2012, um, for a, it sounds a bit cliche, but um, a sort of much needed trip of uh, soul searching and trying to work out sort of my life. And at that point we were separated. It was trying to work out sort of how I would move forward. And I came back from India with a head full of the most um, amazing inspiration from that trip. Yeah, it just been, it was, India was just the most amazing country and everything that I had seen there from um, the saris to the palaces and all the beautiful textiles and markets and everything had sort of um, been imprinted on my mind. And I sort of came back from from that trip, went through with a divorce, started to reestablish my life, I guess, emotionally. Um, And a couple of years later, decided I wanted to leave my job, set up a business, and I pulled on all the
0: inspiration from that trip to create um, the brand Sarah Miller London. It's amazing. And also, I want to talk about all the success that you had with it quite quickly. But for anyone that is maybe going through relationship troubles or thinking about maybe divorce, whether it's their choice or not their choice, what advice would you have to give from your experience? Because I do feel like lots of people. If they haven't found someone by 29, they feel like a sense of failure or, you know, time is running out. There's this sort of like invisible timeline that's put on to women. But actually, lots of people are also going through divorce who did meet younger. So, yeah, what what advice would you give for anyone that is feeling like their world as they know it is kind of coming to an end?
1: I think it's um, ultimately having self-belief and knowing it's it's very difficult decision to sort of to end a relationship um especially you know i had been in that relationship for close on 10 years as i said so it's kind of that's you know you're in those crucial years in your life where um you're going from you know 20 year old through to 30 year old you know it takes a lot of courage to to be able to go through but i think it's Important to believe in yourself and value yourself and your happiness. And if you feel like you're not happy, um, then just, you know, have faith that if that relationship is no longer right for you, that if you sort of honor yourself and value yourself enough, that you will and make good, strong decisions that you will be able to find a future that does involve being happy again and sort of determining your own fate and all of that it all sounds a bit cliche, but yeah, that's basically what I did. I just sort of dug deep,
0: had strength and and then went on and good things have happened since. Yeah. And I suppose you're living proof at what it means to start again and how amazing that journey can be as well. I read somewhere that you took the trip to India, which was a place that your ex-husband never wanted to visit. Was that part of the reason that you chose India?
1: <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, I'm a, like I'd been always interested in art and design, and for as long as I can remember. So, um, India was always on my at the top of my list to go. But he was um, not so keen. So then, at the first moment I could, it just felt like a
0: um, an obvious place for me to go. So, you set up your brand. Oh, by the way. It's an amazing brand. For anyone that doesn't know, uh, Sarah Miller London. It's got homeware, home furnishing, stationery, and it is very colourful and vibrant. You can really see that sort of Indian influence. But you set up your own brand, I believe, with three thousand pounds. Yeah. So I went
1: and did a um, an exhibition in America um, in the spring of twenty fifteen. And um, literally put my designs at a show, and you know, there's nothing quite like, as a creative person, the vulnerability you share when you're when you're literally putting your designs up and hoping that people will come and talk to you, you know, to be interested in working. With you and I did that show and it was that it was and that was the initial investment and it was the most amazing um, reaction and I had lots of leads that followed and in January 2016 I launched with um, a range of greeting cards and gift bags and gift wrap that sort of went onto the shelves in stores like John Lewis and Paper Chase and um, and then sales just happened like really quickly and within a few weeks it was kind of the buyers of those stores were kind of like, who is this Sarah Miller? And we want more. And, and I had a vision for a much bigger brand. It wasn't just going to be paper-based. It was going to be a whole lifestyle brand. And yeah, and the sort of the two came together and
0: I went and presented and presented and presented and yeah, it just grew very, very quickly. So you launched in 2016 and I'm trying to do the maths. You must have become a mum in twenty eight, that's right yeah, yeah like, that's right I'm so bad at maths mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like minus four minus four <laughs> um, so talk to me about that because obviously you found love again somewhere along the line it's so impressive to me for anyone to be able to do the juggle but especially when you own your own business and it is your name it must have been a whole different kettle of fish but talk to me about becoming a mum again, or for the first time. Yeah, it
1: was absolutely crazy. I mean, those first two years of the business, I worked so hard. I can't really explain to anybody just day and night and put everything into it. And it was was my baby. Um, I signed two very big licensing contracts in 2017 um, with big companies for handbags, luggage, jewelry, and watches. Both of them wanted like 60 products in each range so like a massive range and then three weeks later i found out i was pregnant and i was just like oh my goodness how am i going to do the next nine months developing like 120 products and going through a pregnancy and then having a child at the end of it Mm -hmm. my daughter was born and then in the summer of 2018 i yeah it was just uh, life changes overnight as as you know um i had my team come to my house when she was six days old just to to boards of work and I was there feeding on the couch. And, you know, that was um, in hindsight, absolutely crazy. But um, I think my business at that point was sort of my norm and something I had worked so hard for, and that was stable for me. And actually becoming a mum was totally overwhelming and really unknown and unfamiliar. And actually I almost needed my work to yeah. sort of ground me. Um I relate, I
0: relate to that a lot. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, being becoming a parent for the first time is so overwhelming, and um, I found
0: actually it all much easier the second time. So you didn't really plan any sort of maternity leave.
1: I kind of couldn't. Like, I didn't really have the. I had, I had, did have some support in, at work, but I didn't have like managerial support at that point to be able to like really step back. So, you know, within seven weeks we did it, there was 11, 11 people photo shoot in my house for our new jewelry and watch range, you know, photographers, models, how well, the whole works, you know, and I'm breast pumping in the middle of the day. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. And I remember that my, my parents and all were looking after her that day and they brought her in at the end of the day and she just went straight on, onto my boob, like for a theme. I mean, to be honest, so I was in work uh, very soon after she
0: was born and and then in and out kind of continually. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because I never really understood the need for paternity leave before I became a mum myself. And then I was like, hang on, you have to go back to work after two weeks. I, but I'm still healing. Who's going to help me? But there is, I feel like, this sort of judgment on mums who do whether they need to or want to go back to work, that doesn't exist with the dad. And also obviously not everyone has the luxury of being able to take maternity leave. And um, did you do things differently the second time round?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, as it happens, I felt I've actually had kind of some regret about that going back to work quite so quickly. And I didn't really feel like I had a choice, but yeah, on reflection, sort of in the years afterwards, I always felt very bad about it. I think just probably mum guilt. And um, like I missed that time, and you never get that time back, and it's precious. So then when I was pregnant um, with my second, and I, I had, yeah, two um, additional lovely ladies in my team, um, amazing women who are also mums who just said to me, like, we can manage on the more. Of senior management side of things, and yeah, and that was that was wonderful. So, I, um, along with the other members that had been there in the team before, managed to basically exit for, for a good few months and just enjoy that sort of beautiful newborn baby bliss and, um, and not worry myself with work, which I absolutely loved that time, and I'm so grateful that I had that time. Did you do kind of like the typical like baby classes and Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, we were also doing house refurb at that time. This was all during Covid. So I mean, there's was, there was still a lot going on. It's kind of and I was I wasn't out of work completely. I mean, everyone knows I'm there if I'm needed for anything. Yeah, we were sort of in that Covid kind of coming a bit towards an end and yeah, house refurb trying to work out, you know, like all the fixtures and fittings for you know for a whole big project as I was launching fabric and wallpaper as well at the same time. So but yeah I did I did um yeah lots of the typical mum um mum things with with Covey which was lovely
0: because I'm still trying to figure out my own plans because technically I don't get maternity leave but I would like to take it to an extent but then I also have this pressure of not only the financial pressure that if I don't work I don't get paid but also I worry that I'll like miss out on opportunities if I go away for too long but because Alfie was a lockdown baby I didn't really get to do many of the classes first time around and similar to you I was back to work with it within I think five or six days doing shoots and various things so oh, yeah, it's you? interesting wow. to hear from you but I don't know if I ever really felt guilt about it either because I feel like I I did What I had to do. And obviously, there's lots of benefits of being self employed that, you know, I can be at home if I need to be. But I'm always really interested to hear about how people manage the juggle, because especially now that you've got two, it's something that even though I feel like I have childcare in place, like, you know, he'll go to a childminders or I have my in laws to help. But I just always feel like I'm chasing my tail. It's hard. It's really hard. What's your sort of tips for managing the juggle and what's your childcare setup? Um,
1: So my daughter started school in September. I decided I wanted to be able to pick her up from school and everyone thinks I'm crazy because that puts so much pressure on myself. So I was basically shrinking what was already a crazy, hectic day down to a school day. So, you know basically leaving leaving work by half past two. But wanting to do that for her, she's the youngest in her year. I feel, I guess, like I wasn't able to do that from the work from when she was born. So just her having her mum at home in the afternoons is um, something I wanted to do. I was doing that towards, yeah, for for only just at the end of last year and then hit a point of, oh my gosh, this is so much. I can't manage the intensity of work and everything that I'm doing, just shrinking down the hours and, you know, keeping my sanity. So I'm sort of re-looking at kind of what, what we do. I have a nanny for my son. He starts nursery next September or this September now. So she's also on hand to help, but i am at the point I have an amazing team at work, and they are very able um it's been i think having a team is um if you're if you work for yourself, if you can um build it to that place where you can have other people to help is absolutely um a life changer, yeah, and are able to allow me to spend more time with the children so but that's taken years to build and but it's it's
0: amazing they're amazing. Do you know what I I find? Like I feel like pragmatically, it's really easy to say things like, yeah, I'm going to put them into, whether it's childcare, nursery, childminders, whatever it might be, from six months so I can go back to work, or a year, or whatever it might be. But actually, there's so many... Emotions involved in that and even knowing if they're ready and obviously if you're breastfeeding what was your personal journey like with both of them like when did you feel like okay I can go back into the office now or when did you start to feel like you were getting actual work done as opposed to sort of not quite Managing motherhood and not quite managing work, trying to do the bow? So
1: today is my first day back this year. My my son and I last week were totally ill. So so even today, I'm like I'm I'm leaving him. I've been with him for about a month. Um, as yeah, my nanny was off for a while. But so even this morning, I'm you know messaging her. Is he okay? And how's the separation from me? He's got separation anxiety now. And um, so I don't. I still think about the kids, you know, a lot um, in and amongst. My day and um, and their needs are always right at the forefront. It's just split with work, and it does. It's challenging. It's you know we have different different heads, lots of hats on at any one time, and juggling lots of things. Um, So I think it's not clean cut in terms of right now. I'm ready to leave the children behind and go back to work. I think it's just I think about all of it all around the clock.
0: Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out for my second of when will she sort, when will she start childcare, and when will I be able to? Because with Alf, he was breastfed on demand for a year, and I've never put pressure on myself. You know, that, that was just our journey. A lot of it being because he didn't take a bottle, so it meant that I couldn't really send him to nursery or the childminders. But with baby girl, it's I don't know if this is normal or if it's just the area I live in. But you have to book a place for childcare so far in advance that I've booked it but I, I'm like well I don't know if I will even be able to let her out the house if she's still breastfeeding which you know I'd hope that she would be but there's just so much I feel like as much as you want to plan and be probatic the realities and the emotions involved are so different you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about UnitedHealthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: Welcome to the Train Happy podcast with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that helps you have a feel-good relationship with fitness, food, and body image. Each week we'll be digging into an intuitive and inclusive approach to our health and well-being as we're joined by leading experts, friends of mine and you to hear more about the journey of letting go of diet culture and feeling good in the skin you're in. It's a podcast for everyone no matter what body you're in. You can find us wherever you found this podcast. Just search Train Happy wherever you get your podcasts and hit follow.
0: What, how did you prepare for the second, knowing your experience of the first?
1: I looked after him. I was his sole carer for nine months, calling on grandparents where needed for sort of ad hoc. And then when he was nine months old, I, or eight, eight and a half months old, nine months old, I was um, looking to find a nanny to come in. And I guess that doesn't require maybe the, the same sign up in, term, in advance, like yeah. a nursery place or a um, child Mind and might. So that allowed a bit more flexibility. Um, and then, yeah, it was hard. I mean, that was a year ago. I, I went back to work in in the January, leaving him with a nanny for the first time. But with my daughter, I did long hours and she was at nursery for long days. And I'm trying to just be a little bit more home a bit earlier in the day to so that they get to see, you know, they have their mum. But I also feel like I feed off it. Like I, I love my time with them and want to make sure I'm sort of going through those, you know, the daily the daily monotony of, you know, doing reading or, you know, playing games and reading books. It's, it's very, you know, it's basic stuff, but it's lovely to do. And I just want to be avail- around and available to do that with
0: them. Did you feel like you always enjoyed that side of parenting or did it take your daughter to become a bit older? And I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but it's because I am only, not only starting to see the light. I feel like from one year onwards, it got better and better and better. But I, for ages, especially because I always was a career person and I'd guess quite an alpha female, I did feel like, am I meant to be enjoying this? I find it a little bit monotonous. Whereas now that alpha is too, i I'm finding it much more fun because he's much more interactive, but I'm apprehensive to think how it's going to be doing it all over again. What yeah. was your own experience like? Definitely, I mean, at the beginning,
1: yeah, it can it can be really. I mean, the days are long; it's it can be really boring. One of my one of my best friends has a phrase which is, you know, the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah, and like I think at this point, of looking back, I can see the years are short and it all flies. So you know, holding on to that, you know, the moments now, like when I my son who hasn't started nursery like he is I'm like I'm his world. Like he, he runs to me, he latches onto me, and it's the most amazing feeling. And he doesn't yet have you know, soon they'll grow, they'll go to nursery and then they'll grow friendships and I'll have other relationships and more people in their lives. But this is a really special little period where it's um it's precious. And I yeah, I don't know, I guess I can sort of see that more clearly on reflection and and, and enjoy it. But it's also more fun having Two, because then they interact, and that's like the most joyful thing. Watching them play together. So, whereas when my daughter was maybe less one and a half or or younger, and it's just you on your own in the house, you know, it's yeah, it's it's not all fun. Like it, it it can be. um, Yeah, it can be boring.
0: (laughs) This is what I'd like to hear. How was the transition for you going from one to two? And is there like what were the biggest challenges? And what tips do you have for anyone who, like me, is about to welcome another baby into the fold? It's just, it's
1: busy. It's busier with two, obviously. But watching... Um yeah, my daughter play with her, or you know, when when we first introduced her to her little brother and just, you know, her gently stroking his leg, like it's the most heartwarming thing and watching their relationship grow and her excitement as he first claps his hands and, you know, says his first few words, and look, Mummy Kobe's doing such and such, like it's so sweet. And I think that that interaction is um is just absolutely, yeah, as I said, heartwarming and precious to watch and enjoy. um in terms of, Preparation. Um, It's just it's just busy with when there were just the three of us. You know, me and my husband and I could have a little bit of time out because you can take. You know, we could take turns of having our daughter. And now it's just it's just always you know hands are full and um, and also especially it changes because since Kobe's been on the move, like he's just everywhere and he's a boy, so super physical. You'll know. Um, So having him as well, just everything's a hazard. That's where we are at the moment. You can't, you know, and he's everywhere. So it's just, it's just intense. But I think activities, you know, we do things that they can both enjoy. We go to soft play a lot. I don't try and be too adventurous, always have these lovely ideas of like going a bit further afield and days out and stuff. But then, um, you know, we're confined by nap times and he's we have always done quite a strict routine to the kids, which
0: helps them sleep through the night. They've been very good sleepers. Oh, that's good. What's yeah. your sort of nighttime Because 'Cause I'm obviously someone that hasn't really done routines.
1: Yeah, so um so we do six o'clock baths, always it's half six and then they're both in bed by seven and they generally sleep till seven and they both have Wow <laughs> Um, I mean, my daughter Slept through from about eight weeks old. I'm like one of those people that no one wants
0: to hear from. (laughs) Um, That's what i was hoping for. It was amazing, yeah. And did you do anything in particular to make that happen? Or she was just naturally... Well,
1: she really took to it, but we were just, yeah, very, you know, Gina Ford, very strict, you know, with the routines and naps in the middle of the day. And um, yeah, and it worked. And then um, Kobe took much longer to drop the middle of the night um, nah, oh, uh, uh, sorry, um, feeds. So that were, so he'd probably, I was getting up with him until he was about a year old. Okay. Yeah, or nine months old. But he'd still kind of sleep till seven in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So last week was an absolute killer for me because I'm so not used to it. And then it was I was giving medicine every three hours from 6pm, 6pm, 9pm, 12, 3 and 6. And I was sick and I just wanted to go to bed myself at like seven o'clock. And then my daughter was coming in the room being needy and wanting to go to bed much later. I was just like, oh,
0: this is this is tough. <laughs> Do you know what? I um, I can't wait for the day that 7am starts become the norm. I even saw a mum today saying, oh, I've set my alarm for six in the morning so I can have a productive hour. And I thought if I tried to have a productive hour before Alf woke up, I'd be setting my alarm for four in the morning. <laughs> it's such a struggle. So he up at five every day. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was 3.30 for a long period in November and December as people listening will know because it's all I could talk about because I was so sleep deprived trying to do pregnancy and not much sleep but I've kind of um, I've weirdly I've been going to bed at 7.30 I don't know if it's jet lag or just the end of pregnancy yeah. tiredness but he's doing better like you know at the beginning when we got back it was five which isn't terrible for us but he was a bit jet lagged and then it was six he did one day seven today was five again but yeah <laughs> I dream of the day I can set an alarm <laughs> to be productive <laughs> but um I digress so um I want to go back to your business so talk to me about where where you are with it all now. So um, so it's all about so the brand is all about bringing an uplifting and
1: playful approach into everyday life whether it's your morning mug for your cup of tea or um, you know sort of more decadent velvet. Fabrics for your, you know, to to upholster sort of furniture in. Um, we have a very exciting new range launching with Port Merion in, um, in March this year, which is very different to everything that we've done before. Um, and yeah, we're just growing, you know, continuing to grow with all sorts of, um, in different product categories. And we've recent, recently launched a range of scarves. I think um, I launched a, a children's book last year. I should have bought one actually. Um oh, actually, I have to um, check that out. Um, and I did that with my sister, which we wrote over lockdown. So that's called Party Parade. We launched that last year. And um, and that sort of started the thinking for me about like ch- looking at children's products. and um, And then we've done some fabrics that are so I've done both my children's bedrooms in our fabrics, but they're not like typical kiddie kiddie. It's a bit more classic that we'll see them through, um, you know, longer years. More oh, I'd years. love to see. I'd love to see how you've done it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my daughter's room is probably my favorite room in the house. <laughs> it's very, it's pretty, but um, yeah, lovely and girly, but not, but not too not
0: Princesses, yeah, <laughs> so good, and finally, for anyone who is thinking about maybe starting their own business, because I do feel like lots of people become parents, and whether it's that they can't get flexible working or their whole priorities have completely shifted because they do want to, as you were saying, you know, spend more time with their kids, whether that's doing the school pickup or whatever it might be, what advice would you give to anyone who is hoping? To be able to kind of emulate what you've done?
1: I think it's exceptionally um, hard work. So I think it's about being realistic. Um, there's quite a sort of naive, I'm going to say, narrative around um, having your own business allows you to do what you want and, you know, that you can kind of jet off here and there yeah. as you please. And actually, I think that the, um, it's all consuming and it is with me all the time. I like, I don't, I really struggle to switch off. Like the bank holidays with Easter and Christmas are probably the days in the year when I properly switch off because there isn't an influx of emails coming at me. And I think it's about knowing yourself and knowing if that's something that, um, that you can manage. And also if you're willing to work really, really hard, um, if that's a yes and you feel like that is you, then it's an amazing thing to do. Um but I think it's it's very personal. I don't think it's for everyone and yeah. I think it's um sometimes like glorified um to some degree and actually it's it's all consuming. So I don't mean that to sound in any way negative. It's kind of about uh being realistic. Um it's also diff- you know, different you can do it at different scales, I guess. And um you know, it is wonderful to be able to have the flexibility with children, and you know to to do to sort of set the hours that you want to work. There is also something to be said for having a job and having sort of stable income and knowing your you know your hours and how that sort of
0: looks in a week or a month or or anything. So, you know, I have to echo that. It's funny because there is a sort of glamorization. Um, Of being self employed. And I'm envious of my partner, Tommy, for getting to say, go on holiday and just completely switch off. Like the thought of having an out of office. And yeah, I also struggle to switch off. So even in the night, I'm thinking, oh, when am I going to do this? And I think that's why I find the, the juggle and, you know, finding the perfect childcare solution so tricky as well. But, um, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on to chat. I hope, uh, you guys found that really interesting and useful. I I just love, like I had mentioned at the beginning, the idea of the reminder, shall I say, not the idea of the reminder that life really can begin at 30. I mean, I feel like also on a very different path that my happiness and my own enjoyable chapters began at 30. I met Tommy at 33 and had my first baby at 35. So yeah, it's nice to hear uplifting stories from thirties um, and upwards. And um, please get in touch if you uh, found that interesting, if you have any comments, I always love to hear from you. You can get in touch on WhatsApp where you can send a voice message for free. You can do it anonymously if you want, or leave your name, the uh, number is 75 999 or you can email me at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com. If you listen on Apple, then if you leave uh, a review there, then it means that I get to see it. Natalie actually emailed in this week saying, I just wanted to drop you a message after listening to your Mums the Word episode with Laura. I think that would have been Laura Guckian. She said, I find your podcast so empowering. I recommend it and your page to any of my friends who are pregnant or have little ones, they will love it too. Thank you. Uh, You mentioned that you sometimes get comments about it being too negative. So I just wanted to let you and them know that it isn't about being negative. It's about equipping women with the knowledge of all possible outcomes so they can be prepared. Knowledge is power. I do have one suggestion. I have a friend who has a tricky, who has had a tricky 20-week scan. And it made me wonder if you might consider interviewing a mum to a child with complex needs, it'd be so helpful to hear about the difficult decisions and experience around having a pregnancy and birth that isn't straightforward. Thanks so much. Um, Yeah, thank you, Natalie. That's really interesting. Funny enough, my friend has just been induced and she had um, quite a worrying pregnancy with um, a tricky 20-week scan. So it's definitely something that I think should be a talking point. And interesting around this idea that mums are negative, because I don't know if you guys follow um, Danai Mercer, I think that's how you pronounce her name, but she's recently had a baby and she's been really honest about her labor. I think her baby's about three or four days old, And she got mastitis yesterday. So she did a video of her kind of like shivering with a fever and showed the temperature that she had like a 39 degree temperature. And quite a lot of people commented saying this is really not good to share because you're putting off expectant mums or you're scaring expectant mums. And it is this weird conversation about why are we expected to hide not even the negative parts, but like the realities, especially, you know, when there is so much set up against us like the cost of child care or whatever the drug or whatever it might be um she may be as someone good to get on as well actually so thank you for messaging in to set that reminder that it's not about negativity it's about honesty with all the highs and lows um and as always thank you so much for listening to mums the Word the parenting podcast i will be back with another episode same time same place next week and i'm going to put all um information to sarah in the caption below so you can check out um sarah miller london and yeah i'll see you next week hold up